just take one itty bitty step. So for me, that's adding pray for them to my list. Maybe for someone else, it's volunteering or giving to a missionary, taking that next step. Thank you for listening to another episode here of If That Makes Sense, the Family Life original podcast where a group of us 20-somethings thereabouts here at Family Life talk about what life is really like as a Christian in your 20s. I am Tim, and we haven't done this in a little bit. I'll say I'm in the radio production department. I'm Mary, and I'm also in the radio production department. I'm Mike. I'm in the performing arts and events departments. I'm Tim as well, and I'm in the creative services department. Yay, Tim! Yay. That's very exciting to have you here with us, Tim. <laughs> thanks for having me. Yeah, that's funny because the first time you can say thanks for having me because it feels like you're a guest, but the second time you'll just be like, oh, yeah. I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so what we're trying to come together to look at today is the reality of the persecuted church across the globe and what our place is in relation to that. I don't know about you guys, But going into even trying to research about this topic was tough for me. Like getting the momentum up to make myself like care about it was tough. And that speaks a lot to what we have to talk about today about the persecuted church. Why is it that it's so hard for us sometimes to care? It shouldn't be really tough. And I want to try to break down why that is. But first, I want to know if I'm just the worst person in the room. No. No. You're not. I have the same (laughs) issue as well. Why is it tough for us to care? Well, it's not exactly black and white. It's not just that the answer is we're terrible. That's why we don't care. Okay, that comes into it. But I want to hear a little bit on both sides here. I guess I kind of view it like if you have a friend who comes to you and says, oh, my friend that you don't know has gotten into a car accident and they died. I mean, this is going to be magnitudes more painful for that friend than it is for you because you don't have a relationship with that person. Kind of like how way extended family, you go to a funeral there and it's like, unless you've had a close relationship with a person. I mean, we never want to say that, oh, it didn't matter because it does matter. It's a family member. You understand that it matters. You don't necessarily feel it, feel the weight of it as closely as maybe somebody else who's nearer to that person would. I think if we had a friend who was in a persecuted place, and they were risking their lives, I think we it would be much more present in our minds Definitely. than it would be normally if the people that we know are abstract entities. Like, There's several reasons why things that are distant to us might become less impactful in our day-to-day lives. It's tough to find a tangible way to help. And sometimes I think if the way to help is more abstract, like, hey, we gave them some pocket money or we sent a prayer over, it's hard to see the impact that it makes so we don't know if there's anything we can do to help. Mm. And therefore, it's the things that we can do tend to sometimes take more priority. No, that's a really good point, too. When you feel like what you are doing doesn't do something, when you feel like what you are trying to add to the situation doesn't add up, just or, or you know it does, it's like, but it's all abstract point? knowledge. Yeah. It's maybe like a little bar on a thermometer graph, you know, showing we've raised this much support or something. It's <laughs> It's still too abstract to feel like, I made a difference. (laughs) Well, I think one reason is it's just in our very uh, sheltered lives, it's just so hard to imagine what these people are going through. 
you know, and it's just mm. like I don't want to think about that because mm. that's just terrible. And um, uh, another thing I wrote down was what you were saying, just feeling helpless. You don't really, I mean, you can pray, sure, you can give some money, but it doesn't feel like it's doing anything, even if it really is helping. Yeah, right, um, right. And then at least for me, I'm very much a live-in-the-moment sort of person, so I'm always focusing on what's right in front of me, and it's very hard to think about those distant things that should be important to me, but I just don't think about them. What are the times that you have seen or felt yourself particularly caring about the persecuted church in some sense or other? I was reminded of a time about five years ago when I was living in Boston, and there were homeless people everywhere. There were people of many different cultures and races and ethnicities and ideologies and all sorts of stuff. And I happened to be reading a book by David Platt. I recommend all of his stuff if you've ever read anything. From him, he has a huge heart for the persecuted church. I learned that he has this organization he started called Secret Church. And what Secret Church is, and is still going on today, is people gathering together in the middle of the night here in the states where there is not persecution of, of Christianity, but gathering together and for six or eight hours to have deep Bible studies and prayer as if they were in a country where they had to meet in an underground church. Huh. And just thinking about those things really convicted me. It, it caused me to realize a couple of things. First of all, my faith is far too convenient. If, if the biggest things I'm worried about are the pews are too hard or the air conditioning <laughs> is too cold or this or that or the music's not right or this, my faith is far too convenient. I realize my faith is not strong because it's not tested. I don't take my faith seriously enough. And how would my life look differently if I literally had to risk my life mm. to go mm -hmm. to church? Mm -hmm. I think it sort of, in a weird way, it's kind of like Newton's first law of motion. An object at rest tends to stay at rest. An object in motion tends to stay in motion. An object that's comfortable tends to stay comfortable. And so for me, when I live in this comfortable little community and I'm not really drawn to get out of my comfort zone, to go somewhere and do something that could be a little uncomfortable for me. I think for myself, a couple things that really struck me, moments in time in my life in history, back in 2015, during the major publicity we were seeing of everything related to ISIS, specifically with the Egyptian Coptic Christians who were you know, lined up and systematically beheaded the 21 of them, on uh, a beach, but just like the the visceral reality of that being like this, this happened to these people. And every week, something new coming out from ISIS that they're just kind of slowly marching up across these countries, up through the Middle East. And then in November, having the terror attacks they carried out in France. But prior to then, these were all like occupations. They move into a a small city or town, and they take it over, and they find out who Christians are, and they do these things to them. That really struck me. That really clicked for me like, whoa, if you're a Christian here in these countries, it costs you. 
The whole reason we're talking about the persecuted church and our brothers and sisters in Christ who are across the globe in areas that are seriously dangerous to be Christians. The whole reason we're talking about it is because it matters. It matters to God and therefore it should matter to us. The reason why we want to get ourselves to care about it is because that's what we should do as Christians when we have the other in our mind, whoever that happens to be, down the street, across the road, in the city, over the seas, when there is an other who is suffering, we're supposed to care. There's a lot of others out there, too many to be able to care about, right? Like you can't care about every cause. You can't care about every thing you can see. We live in an information age. You can, at any time, know anything about anywhere in the world. And there's a lot of suffering that can overwhelm you. So you can't care about everything. There are, uh, and I'm not here to say, can't care about everything, so subscribe to this one cause. No, but <laughs> there, there are things that we can't really afford not to think about. And I would argue that those should be the things that are closest to us. You should care about the circles you're in, your family. Paul says somebody who doesn't care for his own family is worse than an unbeliever. You should care about your community, your church. You should care about your country. You know, these are concentric circles, right, that kind of expand out. Well, what's one of those that transcends all boundaries of distance and, and time and everything? It's, it's our family in Christ. They're around the world, our spiritual family. And that doesn't mean our fake family. It's, it's, a, it's the most real family. It's the family Jesus died to bring together. The family that's going to be together for eternity. So I say all that to say that's, that's why we should care. Well, I think it's interesting that we've mentioned praying for the persecuted church, which is completely good and we should definitely be doing that. But I was, I was thinking about this question this morning and I was like, Okay, so the Bible says to expect persecution, that it's not something that should surprise us. What What's other mm-hmm. verses? Uh, pray for those who persecute you. Ooh. Oh, Ooh. wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> what? Right. <laughs> and that caught me off guard a little bit, which it shouldn't because I've heard that verse countless times throughout my life. But we shouldn't just be praying for persecuted people church, we should be praying for those who persecute the church. Mm. Wow. Convicted over here. Yeah. Yep. I was was (laughs) trying to make up a nice little checklist of how I could respond to persecution that's happening far, far away from me. I uh, didn't end up making a checklist. I would have really liked something alliterated, (laughs) something like Pastor Mike usually brings for us. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, but instead, I've been thinking a lot about our hearts and how God moves our hearts to, to be bent towards certain things. And I think what I need to do is just pray for a heart for the persecuted church. And I'm not saying wait till you feel like it and then start doing things. I'm <laughs> saying don't get these things out of order and my, I could make a checklist of a hundred things to do, but if I don't actually care about these people, then what's the point? Mm. I need to be praying daily that God would be giving me a heart for 
the lost people of the world, for the persecuted church, for the people who persecute these people. And I think that's sort of, I need to start on that foundation of just praying from my heart, not praying, God, what can I do? Pray, God, get my heart in the right place, and then trusting that he's going to show me what to do, and he's going to give me those steps once I'm obedient to him and, and praying through just getting my heart in the right place. Yeah. Uh, Lord, help me want to want to. I've heard <laughs> yes. people pray mm-hmm. and share that they've prayed those kind of prayers for a number of different things. Help me want to want to read my Bible. Help me want to want to evangelize. Mm-hmm. And it <laughs> sounds like you're repeating on yourself, but you're not. It's, 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 really, it's really quite interesting that God works through desires and we don't have the desire yet. But we can pray to have the desire, which is really interesting because that means you desire to desire to desire. <laughs> we don't need to break that all down right here. But, you know, you're saying, Lord, I want to want to care. Mm-hmm. Right now, I don't want to care, but I want to be the kind of person who cares. Mm-hmm. So praying, Lord, make me give me give me a heart that cares. That's that's great. And then, yeah, like you said, not waiting for it to happen. Say, oh, right. well. Don't care yet, <laughs> so I don't have to pray. <laughs> Guess for the I can't do anything yet. <laughs> yeah, uh, sorry, I'm not gonna give yet. I don't care. <laughs> okay, oh, although that attitude, it's never gonna. <laughs> yeah, want to, want to. If, if my little brother were going through something like this, I'd want to think that I care quite a bit because it's he's someone that I love and I really appreciate. So why should we feel different about the church? Right. And I think the the tough portion of that, too, is like, I mean, they say that the social network, the largest social network that you can have that you can reliably care about is like 150 people, Um, which fills up a lot quicker, I think, than we sometimes realize, Uh, because that's 150 is not a lot. We're not talking Uh, about Facebook friends here. We're talking about like actual connections. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, people's (laughs) Facebook friends number up sometimes into the thousands. Oh, boy. It's it's something that it does. You can't. You can't reliably say you keep in contact with every single one of these people. You don't just don't have enough time. No, in the it's day a much and, smaller yeah. list that you actually can invest in. And it's concentric circles that go down in levels of, you know, how much you care. So the natural feeling that you have towards people that are a world away and going through tough times is, oh, that's really bad. But there's not that same emotion to like if your mom is sick yeah, or right, if your right, mom right. is encountering persecution, right? And you can't exactly superimpose your mom or your brother or your sister onto (laughs) these people because it just doesn't work that way, or at least it doesn't work that way for me. And I think that's kind of the challenge is if our responsibility is to care about these people, right? Just like our responsibility is to care about our church family, our immediate Mm -hmm. church family, you know, and to pray for each other and to watch out for each other's needs, then these people don't suddenly not count because they're a little further away. Sure, the, the things we can do for them kind of changes. I mean, we can't exactly, we can in some cases contact them because that would give away the, where they are. We sure. can't do a lot of things, but we can, but the one thing we can always do is we can always pray about, pray for them. And that's kind of a long answer to a short point, but it's a, it comes around to, great, now we know what to do. If we can reliably, if, if the one thing that we can do in any situation is pray for them, why can't we do that? what's holding us back if it's a feeling like, oh man, I just feel so tired today or I just, 
I don't know where to start or something that any kind of excuse we can kind of put into our mind. It doesn't matter because or if we worried that we don't care enough. Sometimes that worry about caring enough can kind of get in the way of actually doing something. Yeah, because there's there's something we can do. I mean, to pray for it. I mean, right now we could be praying for them, too. Right. So there's yeah. nothing stopping us from accomplishing this action, which is which does have an effect. To assume that it doesn't have an effect assumes that God isn't hearing us mm. or is list, not listening to us or he doesn't care about it. Sure, he may My not problem. answer it immediately, <laughs> but it doesn't go on deaf ears, right? Mm-hmm. Ask, seek, and knock. So if we let our feelings get in the way, then we're not going to do anything. And I guess sometimes the thing we have to do is just, I don't feel like this today, but I'm going to do it anyway, even if I don't feel like it's making an impact or I don't feel like it's uh, maybe it's inconvenient right now or... Maybe I really want to listen to a podcast. Maybe I really want to listen to the song or just one more song or I'll just, maybe I just need a coffee or, you know, we can find any kind of distraction to sort of get in the way that will help what our feelings feel in the moment. And it's like a lot of other things that we make excuses against doing, right? Because we don't see the immediate outcome. I won't probably realistically start working out in the mornings and in a foreseeable version of my current life. <laughs> but I imagine that for those who do, the temptation is to think, oh, does this even make a difference? I'm going to do it today. If I don't do it today, will it make a difference? No. It didn't. Right. I didn't work out this morning. I slept in because <laughs> my, my flannel sheets are so comfortable. <laughs> I couldn't get out of bed. <laughs> Just about in every instance, we can expect that doing the right thing is never just going to get easier. Working out when you do it is never like, oh, I've done it long enough that now I look forward to it. If you're the kind of person who looks forward to working out, you were probably just born that way, honestly. Like you can't take credit <laughs> for that. Something wrong with you. There are people <laughs> like that. They exist and they're still human. Um, but just to just to add something into that real quick. Um, <laughs> If love that we all took that seriously, that, well, that I acknowledge that there's still I think humans. exercise is such a painful thing for us in this room that I don't think we enjoy it. So we're just like, oh, this is difficult. I can understand this because I've tried exercise before. But <laughs> people who do workouts enough to the point where they enjoy it, I think it's not necessarily also that they're born that way, but they start seeing the benefit of it. And sure, they right. They're the not going to. The process is still going to be just as grueling for them. Exactly. That doesn't get easier. But they see the value that it's sure, bringing to their sure. life. So I think with a more disciplined spiritual life, that we start seeing the value that's coming in. Yeah. So we don't see it initially, and it will take some time. But that's something yeah. eventually comes, and that's why people still say, like, you know, oh man, I'm 80 years old, but I still get on my knees every day to pray. Yeah. Because that's now so important to me. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. I don't want to make it totally hopeless. Like. If we commit to doing this, it's always going to feel just as wooden and rote and forced as it does the first time to be praying for... No, probably the Lord is going to answer that prayer we were talking about earlier of giving you a heart to want to care. Like that'll probably... God's probably going to give grace to allow your heart to to, to change in that regard. Right. And, and also when you're... It doesn't matter what you're praying about. You're praying. You're talking to God. You're building that relationship. Mm. So... It will be, you will see results. They just won't be what you expect. Yeah, right, right. They're, you're not going to get the results of maybe a newspaper that says persecution <laughs> stops in <laughs> right. this country. Right. Christians <laughs> are free to practice their beliefs in this country. Yeah, you're probably not going to see that no. right now. But 
Yeah, that doesn't mean that there aren't still results. Because there's so much benefit to just struggling with God and just talking through things with him because that's how you build relationships mm. with other people. So why why are we having this trouble of seeing that reality with praying with God? That's really good. That's really good. I like that a ton. I wrote for myself that I need to do what Hebrews 13.3 says. Very relevant to what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them Mm -hmm. and those Mm -hmm. who are mistreated since you also are in the body. Ah, wow, wow. That says it all. Remember those who are in prison as though you are in prison with them, which I love this. The implication of this passage, of course, is that he's talking to people who aren't currently in that persecution. You're not there, but they are. So put yourself in their shoes. Mm -hmm. Put yourself in their cell with them. And those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. And this is the author of Hebrews here talking. And of course, in um, Paul's writings, he talks about us as being the body of Christ. And the, the body has to care when one part of it is hurt, you know, there, there aren't, the, the, the ear doesn't be like, oh, I'm good. If you stub your toe really hard, like all of you is devoted to how much the toe hurts. <laughs> um, doesn't mean that your body shuts down and stops doing what it needs to do just because your toe hurts. But mm-hmm. your body's aware of that. Every mm-hmm. part of you is aware of that. So what do I want to do practically going forward? I want to do the, the verb that's in Hebrews 13.3. Remember. Mm-hmm. That's what he says. He doesn't say like, fix it. You can't Mm -hmm. fix it. He says, remember them. And um, he doesn't even say pray, which doesn't mean that you don't pray. Of course you pray. Of course you pray. If (laughs) you care. But but even even the, like, because I would argue that remembering will lead you to pray. Like, Mm -hmm. that's where to start. Remember that they exist. Remember that it's reality. That's that's kind of the philosophy behind what I want to be doing as a believer. <clears throat> like I want to have this verse in mind and this remembrance in mind. Practically speaking, what can I do? I can keep up the connections I do have to persecuted parts of the world. And any of us here and anybody listening probably has connections to persecuted parts of the world. Not that you have a family member who's a missionary maybe, though maybe you do, but um, your church probably supports missionaries who go to at least underprivileged parts of the world and very likely to even restricted parts of the world. Your church or uh, other Christian connections you have, people you know who are believers, probably are on a newsletter for somebody. So there's like these degrees of separation. I would say for myself, what can I do practically? I can look at that closest concentric circle in my life of this issue, which is my church body. Who do we support? Where are they serving? What are their issues? I can put faces to those prayers. I can put needs to those prayers. And I can even put support, physical, monetary support to those prayers if I want to with those connections. So that's my practical takeaway for myself is to keep up and keep in my mind those connections I do have. If, if it, my church supports a missionary that has an email chain, which all missionaries have email chains. <laughs> Then subscribe to it. Like, let it be the one recurring email that you actually don't hate and that you actually do read. Like, let it be the one thing that comes in your inbox where, like, this matters. This helps me fulfill this commands of scripture. I can read this person's update about the school they're building or whatever it is. That's something that kind of excites me. 
is I can do that. It's and it's practical. Really yeah. And it's easy to do. Yeah. So yeah. I have eyes. There, there was one thing that as I was preparing for this, I was reminded of something I heard of a long time ago that really blew my mind. There was a missionary who came back from, from wherever they were, and they said, the underground church that I am helping right now is praying that you Americans will face persecution so that your faith can be strengthened. And then he didn't stop there. He said, and also these persecuted people over here say, don't pray for the persecution to end. Pray that God would give us the strength to stand firm through it. Mm. It's like, wow, wow. That's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a big change in mindset for me. Somebody who's so caught up in comfort, of course I'm going to pray, let the persecution stop. But these people who are right in the middle of it are saying, this persecution is what's keeping our faith in God and our trust in him so strong. Mm. Don't pray that that would be taken away. Pray that we would have the strength to stand firm through it. Mm. I'm not sure that I have, I'm brave enough to pray that God would make my life uncomfortable so that I could be closer to him. Mm. That would take a lot of, that would be hard for me. <laughs> and yet these people who, who could be, be killed literally are saying, God, just give me the strength wow. to stand firm through this, knowing that this is why I'm so close to you. Wow. Wow. Mind blown. Mm-hmm. 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 The world watches what Christians do when they're persecuted. Mm. And maybe a prayer is that, we, that they hold firm through that persecution. Because I think it's not, it's not worth it as well to ask that the persecution stops. I mean, we can pray that people can escape, I guess. But persecution is not going to stop, I think, no matter how hard we pray for it. And I guess praying for it is the, the natural thing to do because we, we look at it as a, oh, this person's getting hurt. I pray that that kind of hurts. Stop. But the world watches what we do as Christians. I feel like I've always kind of understood it, and I'm not sure if this is entirely theologically correct, but it's a good way to look at it in either case because it helps you analyze what you're doing. But once you become a Christian, I mean, even the angels watch hmm. what, what you're doing because they, they rejoice when another one becomes saved. I mean, because the angels watch it. I'm very sure the world watches it too. Hmm. There's a lot of stories of prison guards being converted. Of yeah, definitely. People who killed Christians being converted. Um, Paul, for instance, yeah. Yeah. who refers yeah. to that several right. times. Right. right. So it's hard because then you ask, like, you know, what do you pray for? And I'm not an expert on it, but I think one thing we can definitely say is we pray for strength for them, mm-hmm. that they can keep going. Um, we can also pray for, like, their day-to-day needs to be met. You know, we pray for God's will to happen there. And I guess it's hard to say exactly what what else to sort of add on to that. I'm trying to like, what are the core tenets of what we can yeah. say are things that are important to that situation? But I haven't been in a persecuted uh, context. So it's hard to say from that angle. I think we, we foremost pray for ourselves to have strength to go through what God is Put in front of us, like Jesus in the garden, he's before the greatest uh, anguish that can befall a person. And he says, not my will, but yours be done. So I think at the end of the day, a prayer for God's glory to be um, made known, a prayer for, for, for God's will to be done, um, and for us to be 
alive by being brought in line with, with his will. At the end of the day, the heart behind all of it is the heart we see in Gethsemane, which is, this is about you, God. It's not about how I feel because at the end of the day, I know you're going to do what's best because you're good. Mm-hmm. So, I, I like 100% am like, yes, we need to be praying. And, and that's a really powerful thing to be doing. I have several family members, actually, who um, work overseas and things. And I was talking to one of them over the weekend and asking him, you know, what, what kind of things would you suggest to this group of, of uh, people, 20-somethings, on this topic? A lot of what he was saying was, if this is a area where your heart is just really hurting and, and you really feel drawn to be really caring about this topic and, and doing something about it, in this area, we live very close to one of the cities where refugees, which are people who are being persecuted, period, come to the United States for a, a sanctuary yeah. of sorts. And uh, Buffalo, New York is one of these cities mm. where people go before they can get approved to live here full time. And, and they have to learn English mm. and like all of this stuff. And they can be here over five years. And uh, there's a lot of ministries and things in Buffalo working with uh, those people and, and things. So, so I just wanted to put that out there if there was anyone listening who that that exists yeah yeah this person that i was talking to was saying just take one itty bitty step so for me that's adding pray for them to my list maybe for someone else it's volunteering or giving to a missionary or um you know just taking that next step that itty bitty step and for some of my family members that's actually the reason that they are in the country that they are is they were were feeling really passionate about about the persecuted church and things, and they went to a refugee facility and was like, oh. "Hey, how can we help?" And they just followed that path, mm. and now wow. they're you know doing what they're doing. So that one step led them there. That's really cool. The Bible says to remember them. So maybe a good exercise is when you remember them. Say a quick prayer about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because then it's not something, you know, you have to set aside, oh, this evening I'm going to do this. Because then once it gets to this evening, you know, Netflix <laughs> is calling or other things are calling. Oh, you got to make dinner. Or you got to do your laundry, do chores. But if you make it a point to in that moment, like right now, like if we think about it, we pray. About it. Yeah. You know, that is easy because then you have it and it's done. You've done something. So that helps you with the distractible portion of it. But you're not also then putting it off to later because I think the big danger is. We say we're going to do it later, but then we never do it. Sure, sure. So um, I would be happy to lead us in a very brief prayer to that end. I'd be glad to do that right now if you guys don't mind. Lord, um, thank you for hearing us. Thank you for hearing our conversation, for giving us the ability to converse and to talk. And thank you for giving us your word. And we pray for ourselves, for hearts that care, for hearts that want to care, or even for hearts that want to want to care for your children, 
our siblings, our brothers and our sisters who are in places, who are persecuted. And just help us be people who are more like your son, who are more focused on your will being done, on helping somebody else than ourselves. So help us have that mentality. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of If That Makes Sense. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, we would be so grateful if you considered making a gift to Family Life. That's the organization that makes this podcast possible. You can do that by going to fln.org slash give, fln.org slash give, and help make great content like this possible by your support. Thank you so much for considering that. And we don't want you to forget about the other Family Life original podcast content out there, like Therese Talk, which is now a weekly podcast you can check out every Tuesday by searching Therese Talk at fln.org slash podcast or find it on Apple Podcasts and subscribe. Thanks so much for listening, and we hope to talk with you in the next one.